Quick note, uh, as always, this episode is not censored. There is use of adult language, and especially on this introduction, I really <laughs> let my hair down creatively. And so if you have kids in the car, I maybe skip this or at the very least skip to like six minutes in. Okay, here we go. I was listening to my friend tell a story about something that happened in the Buddhist community, which is the teacher of these workshops and classes pays for his life through donations. So after his class, people come up and they give what they feel is right. And that's what he makes. Uh, all the money that comes out the door just goes to pay for the venue. Now, all is fine and well until one day he shows up with a nice car. People start losing their mind. They can't wrap their head around it. Like, why would you buy a nice car? Well, the answer is he bought a nice car because he likes nice cars. And it was his money. But for some reason, because he's doing something good, there's an issue. And I agree. There is an issue. But it's with our relationship to money. This all starts from a very early age when we're taught about school. You go to school to learn. And you learn so you can go to another better school. That's called college. And you learn even more there. So one day, you can have a good job that pays good money. If you want to make money, there's jobs that make good money, like doctors and lawyers and other things I can't think of right now off the top of my head. But there's some jobs that don't make a lot of money. But people do them because they're good people. And the reward is that they enjoy it, like social workers and teachers and artists. They love it. They call themselves starving artists. It's part of the cool, funky way to be a creator. And besides, talking about money is really awkward. So we're just going to continue this trend and not talk about it and let the next generation be very uncomfortable about mentioning anything related to money. Now, if that vague, bizarre introduction to money wasn't enough for you, you're taught in other ways through common portrayals of money, and it likes to take a couple different forms in particular. Fucking cars and private jets flying across the world. So much goddamn money, you need machines to count it. That's not all. And all the love and attention and affection you could possibly want for five fucking lifetimes and going to exclusive clubs and big-titted chicks and tall guys with strong jawlines where we spray thousands of dollars of champagne on our one-of-a-kind priceless designer clothing. And let's not forget. The dark and shadowy force that turns good men and women into money-lusting, blood-sucking vampires that are going to ruin the world and take all the money but give us just enough so we can buy more of their shit. And if you want the money, you're going to have to step on the necks of your fellow human beings and worship the Dark Lord. Oh, and here's a good one that'll keep you really powerless. A regular average human living a regular average life doing regular average things until suddenly the miraculous happens. And he hit the fucking jackpot in life that gave him such a lucky break and if you got this thing too then you'd have this amazing life full of riches and money but you shouldn't even try because it's just dumb luck. And for your more evolved and spiritual beings like myself that would never fall for those other traps... Might I interest you in one of my favorites? Wow, is this what the grass looks like on the other side? Oh my god, are those free lattes? 
In macaroons? In private schools that'll ensure that my kid doesn't grow up to be a bum or sex worker or drug lord? Amazing! I always knew it was like this. And if Hello Humans just had more money, we'd be successful. We'd somehow turn that money into more money. Because all we need is help. That's all. It's not that I've been inconsistent or that I've been sabotaging myself since I was 12 years old for whatever goddamn reason. Help me, therapist. Help me, goddammit. Why do I do this? It's totally because I don't have enough money. Well, friends, we invite you to this one-time offer exclusive to this money management making system brought to you by Hello Humans. Hosted by college dropout Sam Lamont with his special guest today, Jack Conte, who created and founded Patreon, the service we use to actually pay for everything, including our airfare and cars and fucking hotel rooms and everything else that the music that's playing right now, everything else that goes into making this program. And if you enjoy this program, we would love it if you could give back in several ways. You could become a Patreon at, hold on just a second. Patreon.com slash HelloHuman. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash HelloHuman. That's what keeps the wheels on the bus, so to say. That's how our program keeps going. Um, but there's other ways you can show love, too. You can share your favorite episode on social media. You can follow us and figure out what's going on in my uh, personal and mental health life on Instagram. Uh, we're HelloHumans.co, and I am Sam Lamont. And you can also write us a review on iTunes, which I love because... It's there forever, and I just like to come to them and, and, and read the new ones. Anyway, without further ado, here is the founder and uh, the CEO of Patreon, a service that helps creative people actually make some money for once. Probably not. Wonderful. I think we're good. Okay. <sighs> we're live, by the way. Oh, great. Yeah. Live, live? We are no, we're not live. Okay, live. okay, we're recording. That would, that's high tech, but that would not. be really high tech. <laughs> we're not there yet. No, we we do a lot of editing. Okay, because we're we're still working through the perfectionism phase. Nice for our creative careers, right? But um, hi, hi. Thanks for coming on the program. Yeah, absolutely. Actually, thanks for having us, and mostly thanks for creating Patreon. Oh, totally. Uh, last May, I got a note in the mail mm -hmm. that I was being let go. And I was writing a little blog at the time, and I just set up a Patreon and asked audience members if they could help me do this full time. Really? And that's how this started. Yeah. And is it working? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I'm scraping by with Patreon and tax returns and, you know, the whole Damn. way, but I'm doing this. Yeah. Amazing. It's pretty incredible. That's awesome. I'm really happy to hear that. I'm, yeah, I'm in it. I mean, we're at the point now where we could switch over to ads. Mm -hmm. We have enough listeners. Mm -hmm. We'd be about at the exact same point. Oh, cool. But I think this is the way. Wow. Don't Why? You? Uh, well, okay. Because for an ad, I have to pretend like I don't care that you care or not about the ad. <laughs> so I have to be like, hey, yeah, we're sponsored by this yeah. this mattress company, but we don't really care because we're cool, but right. we have to do this. Right. That's like the vibe I would do it. But really, I, I'd be motivated. Like, you need to buy mattresses to support me right. or else, you know, or else the mattress company, it just doesn't make sense for them. I think ads are old. I think that's the old way. Yeah. 
I, I think that, you know, um, a dollar a month from your audience is, is the way. Yeah. Because, you know, I mean, you can, you can play this out a lot of different ways, but actually doing the work and creating is so tough. Like when people go, well, not everyone can do it. It's like, well, not everyone is going to do it. Yeah. It's really tough. Yeah. It, yeah, it's creators are, we've found creators are totally maxed out on like their output and their production and their content creation schedules. Like folks are so, uh, they're working really, really hard. Yeah. Um, and yeah, you have, that also means that you have less time to sort of, I, I don't want to say scheme, but like figure out how to make money from the stuff. Cause making the stuff is a separate activity from making money from the stuff. Right. Um, and I mean, you know, I've been a, a until Patreon is, professional full-time creator and i would make i would spend most of my time making the art and reaching an audience and managing a community and that was awesome like i felt like i was really connecting with folks and making good things and then i'd have to spend a giant chunk of my time building a plan to figure out how to turn that into dollars yeah um and it felt like such a runaround most of the time and and triangular like it was completely disconnected from the actual value that i was building for the world it's like okay now i have to like come up with a logo and like print it onto a hat and like sell hats which is like not why i'm valuable i'm not valuable because i put my logo on a hat i'm valuable because i make videos that people like yeah um and yeah it was like weird doing that dance was always really frustrating the greatest gift that i've gotten so far through patronage and this is really going to be about you, Jack. Okay. Let's talk Patreon. But I'm just <laughs> going to start here. The greatest gift is for shits and giggles, I created a $50 a month tier. Yeah. Eight strangers that I don't know. Yeah. I'm pitching in five times the cost of Netflix. Yeah. And I had built out this thing with like tiers and rewards. Mm -hmm. And it's still kind of laid out that way, but no one's ever gotten anything. Yeah. Because I wrote to all the, the eight people paying 50 a month and I said, what can I give you guys? Yeah. And, and they're like, everyone, what you're doing. everyone just said, Fuck the rewards. Yeah. Just keep doing it. Yeah. You know? Totally. And uh, that's beautiful. Yeah. Because it's at this point, it's non-transactional. Mm -hmm. Like they're not getting anything special. Mm, that's really cool. That the free listeners are getting. Yeah. They just happen to be the people that keep the wheels on the on the car. Right. That's right. pretty, pretty wild. Yeah. There's a people are using Patreon in different ways. And um, a lot of patrons don't care about the stuff i mean many of them do yeah a lot of patrons don't they're just like look this is a thing that i love i get like meaning and joy in my life from this. i listen to it every day like on my way to work you know like brightens my morning and i just want this person to be successful and i just you know that that in and of itself is that's what people want that's the value that they get from being a, a member or being a patron so yeah i mean that that makes a lot of sense. I actually, who was it? Amanda, I think it was Amanda Palmer. She was telling me about how she has a friend who like always, if for Kickstarter, they do campaigns where they literally say like, okay, at this tier, you get nothing. At this tier, you get nothing. At this next tier, <laughs> you get nothing. And maybe a surprise, but probably nothing. At this tier, you get, and it's just like, you get nothing, but people wanted to support that person, wanted to support that creator through their work and their projects. And so, yeah, I mean, there's a big contingent of fans that just, they just love what you're doing and they want to give back. That's well. Yeah. So this is a gigantic question. Okay. Huge responsibility as one of my, my friends put it, but, um, 
Who are you? Mm, okay. Well, I struggle with this one. <laughs> um, can I jump right in? I'll just like bypass all the bullshit and just go straight for the hard stuff. I was hoping you would. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, look, I've been a professional creator for 10 years. Um, I pride myself on making a living from my art. Um, like throughout my 20s, I've thought of myself not as a hobbyist musician and creator, but as a professional creator. And that gave me a lot of meaning in my life and a lot of fulfillment. The fact that like I figured out a way to do my art full time, like that was like a big piece of my identity and very meaningful and important to me. And because of that, for the first few years at Patreon, I didn't even take a salary as CEO. I was just at the company with my creator Patreon pages up, making a living from my Patreon pages because I didn't want to be business person. I wanted to be creator. That's where my money comes from. It doesn't come from being a business owner and operator and whatever. It comes from being a creative professional. And then what happened is Patreon started scaling and being really meaningful to a lot of people. And it was not about me and not about what I wanted in my life. It was about helping all these people live their dreams and live their passions and build businesses and reach their fans. And I have gone through this transition where now I take a salary as a CEO. I make music two days a month on the weekend. Um, I fly down to LA for two days and I record eight songs, release two a week throughout the week. But we have teams doing all of that now, video production, audio production, mixing, engineering, um, all that. And so I, most of my time, you know, I, I'm, I work double time at, at Patreon. Um, and then, you know, a sliver of my time goes to being a creator. And um, yeah, to cut right to the chase your question, who am I? I don't like thinking of myself as either a creator or a business person um, or a CEO. I don't, I don't like that binary separation and I don't think of it like that. I used to think of it like that and I used to be tortured by it. I used to be tortured. I was like, fuck, I'm this. I'm an artist who like became a business person and I don't think of it like that anymore. I'm at peace with it. And that's been a big transformation for me. So who am I? I'm a person who is passionate. I like to make things. I like to help people. I like to have impact on the world. I like to be creative. I like to make music. I like to build teams. I think teams are superheroes. I think they're capable of extraordinary things. Um, I like to give back to the world. I like to feel fulfillment and meaning in my life. I like to work on things that get me excited and um and that's that's who I am. I think that's a good answer. Yeah. <laughs> it's interesting. So we get a lot of creatives and a lot of people who have bios. Mhm. And so the reason I always at, rather I can write something that sounds really good for you. Yeah. <laughs> and it can go off of all your greatest hits and mm -hmm. all, you know the things that are going to be on your Wikipedia page. Right. <laughs> But it's interesting to hear how people talk about themselves. Yeah. Because that's their real identity. Yeah. And sometimes you have people that you can go on and on about what they are. And really to them, they're just a, a guy. And other people, it's really impressive how they are their accomplishments. And so it's just interesting yeah. to hear how people frame it. Yeah. So you've been an artist your whole life. Yeah. Since I was six, really. I first found you through your TED Talk. Mm. So... You and my mom, that's probably incorrect English, but that's okay. I'm a dropout. <laughs> uh, you and my mom were part of the same cohort. 
and I saw you and it was just perfect timing because mm. I found out about Patreon pretty close to the time where I was going to have to start figuring out what I'm going to do next. Wow. Oh, how cool. You're the only person I've ever seen that was allowed to do an infomercial on TED. <laughs> and I think it was because the it's real. Yeah. Because it's not bullshit. Yeah. Like there's, of course, going to be bullshit involved with starting a company. Yeah. But the the love is there. Yeah. I'm excited about it. I yeah yeah the Ted the Ted thing was um I had I got you know some friends and folks I knew they were like wow they they let you do that huh <laughs> and um it was so funny because they they asked me to do that like I felt a little weird about it too and I remember we had those conversations actually the Ted process of like crafting a Ted talk is very um meticulous and thorough and it's collaborative with the team there um so you're like sending them drafts and bullets and then a script and then you literally give the talk to a room full of people and they they watch your talk and you give it as if you're giving a full talk that you don't they don't stop and offer feedback it, like it's a full talk and then they give you feedback on it at the very end um and then you refine it so they were pushing me more toward t basically telling the founding story of Patreon. And I, th I think I think it's because of what you said, because it's a it's a actual thing that happened. And and yeah, I think it's 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 illustrative of like a big problem on the Web right now. The sort of delta, the discrepancy between what artists are worth and what the Internet ends up paying artists. Um, and that story, you know, the, the Patreon story just highlights that gap so clearly the internet just exasper exacerbated the problem mm -hmm. right? that's like an age-old problem like it used mm -hmm. to be you, you shacked up with a rich family who were your patrons yeah like way back when yeah you know and that that sounds nice but yeah that's it actually worked, <laughs> it worked. For, for thousands of years i mean there is some there is some shit with that system these <laughs> <laughs> are not exactly like uh well whatever those those are old school problems but um but art, some artists, big artists, were paid. There wasn't like a, a middle class of artists that were killing it, making a living and doing their thing. But, you know, Beethoven made a living through patronage. But yeah, now we have the opportunity because of the internet to diffuse some of that a little bit and to spread, spread the it. burden. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So when I look at you, the first, okay, the reason why I wanted you as a guest on the program is because mm -hmm. you've, you've hung on to some of that childlike wonder. <laughs> I can see it in your eyes and when you, when you talk, mm -hmm. that it's still there. Yeah. And that's something that a lot of us lose. And so I was wondering, can you just kind of give us the highlights or what's important of how you got here from as a human, like from yeah. from larva to, to now, with just a little bit of what the journey looked like along the way. Hmm. To, Interesting. That shaped you as an artist. Yeah. Yeah. Um... What a cool question. Um, when I, you know, my first interaction with being an artist was learning the blues scale for my dad when I was six years old. Started teaching me blues. And I started writing songs and improvising and, um, you know, when I was really young and I loved it. And then, you know, kept playing music all through grade school and high school. I was in jazz bands and big bands and combos. Um, and I also had a really great physics teacher in high school, which I think shaped me a lot. I'm sure everybody has a story about a great teacher in their lives, but this guy, his name is Tucker Hyatt, and his whole thing was wonder. That was his whole thing. 
he liked people who and he 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 helped you see the world as wonderful just amazing like this has been an amazing place where we live um and he was so good at at um helping people realize that and learn that and you know he'd talk about the weirdness of gravity and um he was like intensely skeptical so we would have um i think he had like a skeptics club um and we'd talk about all sorts of like strange science some of it turned out to be true some of it turned out to not be true and we'd talk about evidence and curiosity and learning and um i think that's a big part of me those lessons have stayed with me because i'm I, I am definitely uh, like curious and I'm also like intensely skeptical. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I think kind of those things sort of go hand in hand a little bit. But um, but that was that was foundational for me was his him as a teacher and then filmmaking in college and tough conversations with my parents about not going to school anymore and instead being a full-time musician, which was a hard, a hard conversation. Did you finish college? I finished college. Oh, good for you. <laughs> I did. <laughs> Congratulations. Thanks. <laughs> um, but yeah, after, you know, I, I, I was thinking about going to film school. I sat down with my parents and my mom said to me, actually, my mom was like, I called a meeting with my parents because they, I knew it was going to be a hard conversation. They were like, can't you just tell us now? I was like, no, we have to meet in the kitchen at three o'clock. I'm going to. I want to, I just want you to be prepared for a conversation. And they were like, okay, this is a little weird, Jack, but okay. And I sat down with them and my mom was like, Jack, before you say anything, I want you, I want to let you know, you can tell me anything you want in the whole world, anything you want, as long as you tell me you're still going to film school. <laughs> and I was like, I'm not going to film school. Um, yeah, moments, moments like that. Um, I don't know if I answered your question. But but those are. I got some cool highlights. Yeah, I have a weird speculation. This could be so off. This could be so off because I I didn't. I just watched YouTube videos. Shoot. Okay. Um. When I see somebody who emanates that vibe, that I think is is why you were asked to do the TED Talk and talk about your company promotionally, is because of that vibe, um, which to capture it for people who haven't yet seen you on YouTube. I hope they do after listening to this. It's a magnetic, almost sense of gratitude is kind of how I would distill it. I see that a lot of times through people who have been through some shit that now they're really sucking up the good, you know, when it, when it's around. And I was just curious if that was right. Were you, were you always this guy? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> or or was there is that part of the hero's journey and if like is like it's contagious like how do i get some you know more i suppose <laughs> thank you for all that um i've had a very privileged life uh so i don't want to pretend for a second like i've had hardship i'm white <laughs> i'm a man um so that's like 95% of it right there uh my dad is an infectious disease doctor we had plenty of money growing up, a nice house. I was never hungry. Um, went to a private high school, went to private college, didn't have to pay for my way through college. I've had um, so much privilege in my life. I'm very grateful for all of that. 
Um, it doesn't mean that there haven't been trying times and maybe, yeah, one, one, you know, one thing I've, I don't ever talk about this in public. I'll talk about it now because you asked very explicitly and it's, and it's true. Um, my mom, who I was just talking about, uh, who I had that tough conversation with 15 years ago now, she died eight years ago. Uh, and it was brutal. Um, uh, Sorry. No, it's okay. <laughs> mm. Yeah, it was um mm, sorry. Don't apologize. It was about two and a half years of really intense pain. Um, and that's, that has definitely, uh, you know, affected me a lot and, and made me very grateful for every day that we all have here. <laughs> um, you know, I, I personally went through a lot in that period and, uh, changed a lot um you know when you when you go through something like that it it uh there are ripples you know yeah yeah so you're right i guess <laughs> yeah thank you for sharing that yeah man you got me <laughs> <laughs> um yeah i don't know i could tell yeah there was there's something and i also really appreciate this you talking about the privilege yeah you know because it's less uh, it's it's not as sexy of a story right you know and uh yeah i haven't had i didn't have to fight adversity grow you know growing up and get my way through public school and pay my way through like i didn't have to do any of that you know so i i don't want to pretend for a second like i've like triumphed over you know yeah uh over you know the odds or anything yeah yeah i mean same for me i've lived such a privileged life you know all my problems are self-made like my my surroundings my mom certainly aren't yeah. the reason why i became a drug addict you know yeah. <laughs> like i just created my own hardship yeah wow but not anything like what people who are just born into it mm-hmm I didn't know that about you. Oh yeah, uh, yesterday was seven years clean and sober off meth. Oh my god, man! And and booze and everything else, but yeah, meth is the the juicy one, you know. Oh, congratulations! <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. How are you doing that? Uh, community. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's the secret to everything. I think that's the secret to creating. Well, is like just before now, I was uh, before this meeting. I was, you know, I talked to other creators all the time. Wow. And uh, my friend has a podcast, and he says. Dude, stop fucking around with the levels. Check this out. It's <laughs> algorithm based. You know, it's it's going to normalize. It's going to limit, normalize, and do the background stuff. Wow. And that I think community is the biggest part. We're a communal creatures, mm -hmm. but it's tough. You know, it's like you're in a strange overlap of business and art, and a lot of people that you talk to just will not be able to relate. Yeah. To any of your 
problems. Like when you're struggling, totally. when you're <laughs> finally, you know, finally making real big kid money, which I hope you are at this point. Um, but you're still having that crisis about not being an artist. Like there's not many, you know, you need to go find other, others yeah. <laughs> yeah. who are struggling yeah. uh, with that same, because otherwise you just end up feeling um, a term I've heard before and I love is terminally unique. Yeah. Where it's like, I'm the only one who knows this, you know? You know, I, I've had so many moments that I love that term. This is the first time I've ever heard that. Um, and I've had so many moments where I've, I thought that, and then I had this experience or a relationship or a conversation or, you know, some lesson somehow. And I realized that I wasn't the snowflake that I thought I was, um, in a really amazing, meaningful, great way. Um, because I feel like suddenly I'm, you're less alone, you know, when you have one of those experiences. Um, and it's so, I think it's so funny how alone most of us feel. Yeah. When in fact, so many people are going through the same thing. Um, and, and you can, it's funny, you can even hear that and people talk about that all the time and, and you still, there's this, there's this in, you know, this voice or something that makes you feel like, but with me, there's blah, 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 blah. And, and nine times out of 10 for me, I've found that that's just not, that's not true. We're all, we're all going through it. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's why I created Hello Humans, which is, you know, the podcast called How to Human. Mm. But Hello Humans was just a, a blog for me to vent. Yeah. And it was because I was heartbroken mm -hmm. at the time when I first started writing. And, you know, it, none of it made sense. And I would go online and be like, I need help with the, you know, covering all the bases here, which was like, uh, polyamory and sex addiction and cheating and craziness wow. and heartbreak and feeling suicidal, even though you have a, an amazing life and I couldn't find it. And so I just wrote it. Wow. And then all of a sudden you find others, you know, like it spread like wildfire to this thing that you think is just such a unique mm -hmm. story. All of a sudden you're sitting there, you know, like I wrote a piece about, uh, having suicidal thoughts on the holidays. Wow. And that was like, it just went nuts, yeah. you know, and it went nuts. And uh, all of a sudden there's a thousand emails, Oh you my know? God. And there's people just going like, I, you know, there's people who are relatives or survivors that have just gone, I, it never made sense. And now it finally makes sense why my brother's not with me, you know, or yeah. people are going, holy shit, me too, man. You know, wow. it's that kind of that me too factor. Right. Just like. All I feel like a majority of our problems thrive in the shadows. Yeah, you know, and especially as creators, if you are following a bunch of other artists, like it looks like everybody has their shit together. Yeah, you know, I was going to ask you. I was going to go. Like, we just met. Do I look like I have my shit together? Because you like, really do. Oh, cool. Because <laughs> yeah. I have that feeling when like. Uh, like when I used to get stoned back in the day where it's like, does everyone know I'm high? <laughs> you know? <laughs> Such a great metaphor. You know? Because like the last couple of days have just been weird for me. You yeah. Know? And I'm at this phase in my creative development where it's like, I'm at the grow up part yeah. where it's like, I know how to express myself, but I want to handle the business side. Yeah. I want to marry these two things right. to where I'm responsible mm -hmm. enough. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. What's been weird about the last few days? 
there's a lot going on. There's just so much going on. Um, my mom is getting married to her boyfriend, which is weird, you know, because she's never been married my whole life. Wow. Of course, feelings of being a failure. It's I just turned 29. I just got seven years of sobriety. Like there's just a lot of weird triggers. Yeah. I'm at this strange point where like it feels this program feels so successful and so far mm. from being a success at the same time. And that's mm. very, you know, it was one thing when it was just like scraping by and like this shit's going to fail, but we're going to have fun doing it. Yeah. And yeah. Now we're like, holy shit, like we're kind of pulling it off. Yeah. But I'd like to buy jeans. Right. <laughs> <laughs> this is kind of working. And I also have to have a coffee in the morning. And there's that balance of being trying to be incredibly grateful and still incredibly hungry. Yeah. To just take it to the next level. That is um such a tough balance and the 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 way i describe that the company because that that is like fundamentally what a startup what you have to be an expert at at a startup building a company building a company is the fucking hardest thing i've ever done in my life it's so painful it's so hard um there's so many uh systems at work at once and they're changing constantly because you're adding new people to the company like we're 170 people now um so all the people systems that are six months old are like failing now and the thing is when there's humans involved and systems fail humans end up being hurt by that and so you're scaling a company and the people inside the company are dealing with the negative repercussions of scaling quickly and feeling hurt by those things and um and anyway, so my, my point is, it's really hard. Uh, and it's so critical to balance gratitude and ambition throughout that process. You have to be ambitious for what's to come. You have to be ambitious for, you know, reaching even more creators. And, you know, our mission is to help every creator on the planet make a living, right? I mean, we want to help all creators. That's a really ambitious, huge mission. Um, and at the same time, if we let that feel too daunting and distant from where we are now, then you can want to give up on your progress. And so you have to take a step back and look at how far we've come every once in a while and tell stories about creators who are making it and, you know, able to quit their jobs and do their art for a living and just feel good about what we've done and how far we've come. And creators have to do exactly the same thing. It's like, you know, gratitude for where you are. And also like, it's exciting to set goals and to look into the future. And that's such a tough balance to, to nail. I'm not sure that anybody's really an expert at it, but it is really important. Yeah. Well, I were sold a ton of shit too. Mm-hmm. Like in just, I don't know if this is an American thing or not, but like you're sold this vision. That's like no sleep grind. Like, yeah. grind. It's like that. I don't know. That's definitely not how I think one should build a company is by grinding like that sounds like that sounds like uh uh i mean that's a word used at for removing material from you (laughs) you know like that sounds like a good way to remove like good parts of your life is to grind it away Mm. and but you know so then you go to the opposite like slow and steady which i think is like a very ambitious goal Mm -hmm. because it's incredibly slow like slow doesn't do it justice Mm. at how slow building a company is yeah and nothing steady yeah nothing (laughs) steady yeah slow and steady is the goal not the opposite yeah grinding but it's so for me um 
I'm a grinder. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, for better or for worse. I mean, it's not not to say that it's particularly healthy or like <laughs> um but but I I I have been my whole life. I um I do work really hard. I have a I have a weird I think it's weird. I think I have a weird work ethic. Probably. And you know, it works for me. It doesn't work for everybody and it's not right for everybody. Um but I I definitely I think it's because I have like a obsessive sort of just attitude about things. Like when I get excited about something, I can't I can't let it go. Like I can't drop it. I'm just I'm obsessed with it. And it, again, I'm not saying that's particularly healthy, but yeah, I I I end up working really long, intense hours. I'm a sprinter. Mm. So I get that obsession and yeah. I will sprint and I'll have like two weeks of just on fire. Yeah. But it's not I, I spent so much of my life trying to be the marathon yeah. guy, but I just have to do it in these little sprints and then yeah. when it comes to building teams, I have to find marathon runners. Totally. You know, who it's just like, okay, I just did the two hundred, who's gonna like keep pace you know wow that's really interesting uh, yeah. wait t- t- so, so when you say when it comes to building teams like f- like hiring people to help with the podcast and like well like now we're you know i have a producer mm-hmm. now who's like the glue yeah of this whole thing yeah she's the one who set this up because mm. i am bad at checking email wow you know yeah and uh she's like much more adult than yeah. i am and we you know we have a, a sound guy that i use when like if this if that glass is echoing like crazy and my little reverb doesn't work well, right? He'll f- fix it. Yeah. But wh- I, I've I've spent so much of my life like trying to like change who I am. Oh fuck. Okay, we're gonna have a lot to talk about. Keep going. As opposed to trying to figure out how to embrace it. Yeah. And magnify that. Yeah. So if I'm gonna sprint, I mm-hmm. need to find a way to to sprint. Yeah. And I was lucky before this where I found jobs that would let me do that. Yeah. They basically let me not work right. when I was unproductive, like mm-hmm. just slowly on the computer because yep. they knew, mm-hmm. okay, it's going to come. Right. Here it comes. Right. You know, right. Sam's going <laughs> right. to go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, but it's a tough balance. It's tough to figure out where you do need to change and where you need to try and work better with yourself. Mm-hmm. This. So I have thought about this so much because- um, I, I am a, I think pretty typical, my, my natural tendency is that of a typical, what I would say, typical like creator or artist. Like I get really excited about something um, and then I'll like just go for like a month or like six weeks. It's, it's lasted as long as three months. Um, those, those sprints get really intense at the end. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I'll just like go, go, go. And then I'll just like disappear for like months (laughs) Um, and like i don't even remember what happened like i was just gone i was off of earth and like doing something else um and that has kind of been i would i would describe that as like how i've operated um since finishing school and then so i mean literally like going to bed at 4 a.m waking up at you know 11 um I would eat dinner and then like after dinner, 
eight o'clock, I'd go down to the studio for an hour and then I'd come back up at 10 and watch an episode of something with Natalie. And then I'd go back down at like midnight and work for another four hours. Like just, I'm just wavy, unpredictable. And, and then being on a team. So when, when Patreon started, suddenly it's like, okay, we're all in this together. And like, like people need me to like be around. And, and so I, I, I bought a plant with the idea that this plant would be a symbol of, for me, like watering the plant every day, because I was trying to change myself from a sprinter into a marathon runner, which is not my natural vibe. Yeah. But like, I show up every day at the office at like between eight, nine a.m. and like, and I'm like, well, but so I've been able to do this because I, it's important. I feel like it's important. And there's also a part of it where it's like, well, that's also not what I'm best at. And maybe that was right for Patreon when it was getting off the ground. But now we're starting to realize that like one of the things I'm good at is like talking about Patreon and like doing podcasts like this and like talking to people and talking about our mission. And and that that sort of moves me out of um, not to say that I that I'm, uh, uh, you know, not like being at the company anymore but it's like doing more things that are like marketing focus and external focus and um and that's a little different than the kind of day-to-day i don't want to call it a grind because you uh, clearly the, there's a there's a you can grind <laughs> you can grind still okay but it's different than like the you know than the the internal marathon that is like company building and, and with a team um and so I, yeah i guess i guess what i'm saying is i'm I I hear you so much on that yeah. difference and like trying to figure out, well, should I change this about myself? Should I embrace this and hire around myself? Like those are really hard decisions to make and I, there's no playbook for it. You no. Know? Yeah. I wish there was a playbook for all of this stuff. <laughs> I know. So um, one of the cool things about your art is there's music, mm-hmm. there's video, it, there's great kind of storytelling too so you're obviously able to like learn things pretty quickly yeah because you didn't focus on just one craft yeah the curse for me i'm pretty quick at becoming okay Mm -hmm. and it's been a curse in a lot of ways because i can get to okay like Mm -hmm. here i'm going to show my friends and they'll think it's cool right really quickly and then to put the amount of time in for it to really become a craft Mm. like it starts to get much slower to really become a master yeah you know and so i've been a quitter of everything mm, interesting and i feel like um I'll, when i talk to other people who kind of like start projects and quit mm-hmm. it's like they almost got it too fast mm. you know it's wow. like i went to design school didn't finish mm-hmm. but the guys who showed up with zero drawing experience ended up much better artists than the natural artists who showed up interesting. and it's because it was so hard earned yeah you know it was like them sitting down and drawing every day and i was wondering throughout your creative life Mm -hmm. why didn't you ever quit Mm. like why did it make sense (laughs) to be an artist yeah it doesn't make sense (laughs) (laughs) yeah um well let me just say first of all i think you may be i i i don't I don't know you. We've we've known each other for, you know, 30, what, 30 minutes. minutes. So so I, I'm hesitant to to make any observations. But you may be being a little hard on yourself. Um, calling yourself a quitter is my guess. Um, I I have there's a friend here uh, who I I love um, who like gets obsessed with like 
woodworking and then gets really good at like making tables not like expert wood craftsman best tables in the world but like makes a table and then gets to a point where the learning is the the you get diminishing returns in the in the learning and and they stop making tables and move on to bread baking. And then they're like learning how to break bread, you know, break bread and like oh, bread is amazing and maybe not quite as good as, you know, tartine bakery or whatever, but like making bread and it's awesome. And then basically stops and moves on to something else like that kind of voracious appetite for learning and and um, skill building and like that kind of curiosity. That doesn't feel like quitting to me. That just feels like being really engaged by learning new things which is a wonderful mm. skill to have and a wonderful like curiosity to like embrace um uh i don't know that but I, I don't mean to like offer you i can't wait for your youtube series for creators that's, that's <laughs> <laughs> daily motivation from jack <laughs> i don't know it just it's that like that sounds great to me i i've done stuff like that like all i made a i made a pizza oven um in my backyard and it, you know, I learned a lot. It was great. You and finished I'm... significant things, though. The videos, the high production videos that you that you did, mm-hmm. I saw some while ago, six years ago. Mm-hmm. So it's not like you had a ton of help. Yeah, those are projects where they're really easy to quit at ninety percent. Yeah, that's like mm. a huge. When I a lot of my friends mm-hmm. who should be full time artists. The number thing, number one thing holding them back is whatever it is, perfectionism yeah. or whatever is preventing them from yeah. finish and share. Yeah. And you finished the work. Um, I don't think of it like that, but I, 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 I do think of it, <laughs> but I, I, uh, I don't finish things. I don't because I can't. I never at any time. All those videos that you're talking about, all the songs, if you look at the file of the song, it's uh, telephone rough mix 2017 blah 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 and then the date and then i just upload it to itunes because it's not finished and i'm not gonna ever create a final mix because it won't ever be final at some point i'm going to publish it but that's different than finishing it i'm going to decide to publish it in its current state but it's not done and it won't i'll never be happy with it or satisfied with it i am a deep horrible perfectionist i will just keep working on something to my own detriment until it's you know more detailed and more perfect than is useful and so i've had to actively fight that in my life how have you gotten out of your own way i think it's because i've drawn i've drawn this distinction between publishing and finishing for me that's that's what it's been i actually gave a talk about this sorry i have some in my throat i didn't see it no it's okay yeah, I've I've somehow been okay with like putting stuff out because I, I've learned that like here, here's what I've here's the phenomenon I've I've noticed. You put something out that you've worked three months on, and you've like you've made it perfect. You've made the details amazing. You care about this, and there's this EQ on the snare drum, and that thing in the video, and there's this metaphor of the bush being in between the two people, and it's like there's distance, blah blah blah, all this shit in your head that no one sees or cares about. You put out the video, and it gets eight views on YouTube, and then it goes away, and you're like, fuck. I worked on this thing for like three months. And then the other, the opposite happens where you're just like on a whim. You're like, that's dumb and funny. I'm going to make this and put that out. And it gets whatever, 10 million views, which has also happened to me. Um, 
literally, I made a video in 24 hours. Um, we cut Natalie and I covered Telephone by Lady Gaga. And from deciding to cover the song to recording the song, filming the video and posting on YouTube with 24 hours. And that video today has 10 million views. So I've learned so many times that like every little thing that you publish is like a little, it's a little bet. And most of the bets fail, but it's not up to you which bet works and which one doesn't like. And it also has it's not correlated at all with how much you care about it or how much you want that bet to work. (laughs) Who gives a shit how much you care about? Oh, you think this is your like magnum opus? Forget it. Fuck you. You don't get to decide which things resonate with an audience like you just take a bunch of bets and some of them work and some of them don't. And that's not up to you. But all you can do is take a bunch of bets and the people who take the most bets they make a lot of things and they have a lot of bets that work. And so I try to just think of it as like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm just going to take a bunch of bets. I'm just going to just going to put in chips. I'm going to stay in the game. Um, and that's kind of helped me. So that that's kind of my attitude with it. And it, it's in some ways it's counter the, 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 the flip side of that. You can take that too far and say, oh, great. Now you don't care about quality and you're not like working hard on things and you're not like being a real artist and and making it the best that it can be. But I guess that's true. And I'd rather do that than be perfect because then I don't think I'd ever do anything. So I don't know. That's how I think about it. If completely polishing a piece paralyzes you, you need to not make completely polished pieces. There you go. And that's how that's what it is for me. Yeah. My creative life takes off the less I listen to what I would call like the inner critic. Yeah. Which really just wants to help me. Yeah. Like it really just wants the best for me. It yeah. wants my work to be at a high quality. Totally. Such it, good intentions. It becomes abusive yeah. at some point. And, <laughs> totally. it, and like, I I can't even count the amount of art pieces I've lost to it. Yeah. Like just completely lost. Mm-hmm. Maybe even never started. Yeah. Because I didn't want to get hurt by the critic. Mm-hmm. Ugh, I'm not going to start that one. I went I love- through a, a two year period where I published nothing in 20... 20- 12. What happened? Somewhere around there. I didn't have that philosophy yet. And I was listening to, um, I started getting into like hardcore EDM and electronic music and listening to those bass, bass synths that people were building. And I was like, what the fuck are these amazing sounds that I've never heard in my life and why can't I make them? And I didn't want to put anything out until it was as good as what I was hearing. And it took me two years to like learn how to make it. And so I was spending 14 hour days in a dark room by myself trying to make sounds that were as good as that. I remember at one point I was working on a kick drum for five days, one kick drum. It's just like trying to make this great kick drum sound. It was five days. I was like, just, they just are gone. Like, <laughs> I didn't publish anything from that period either. It's just gone. So I, yeah, I mean, I, I, yeah, been been there. <laughs> I don't want to go back. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, the, the inner critic can. Um, and then, OK, so here's how I got out of that period. I remember I had to go to some festival. I think it was going to South by Southwest as a spectator. And I had been working really hard on this one remix and, uh, and it involved this like solenoid robot that was playing a MIDI controller. And I, I had this idea for the video and 
um, and the song and the remix and I made it and I shot it because I was thinking I'm just going to shoot one just to kind of see like, this is after this two year period of doing nothing right of like just spinning my wheels and I shot it and I was like ah oh, fuck the video isn't so good so I got there's my hand is in the way and so you can't see the thing at this one time and it's like ugh well ah fuck it I'm just gonna I'm just gonna upload it just whatever and i uploaded it and it now has two and a half million views or something like that um but it was it was the this one moment where i just decided i'm going to this festival i don't i don't want to do that video again i'm just gonna put it out and i know it's i know it's shit like i literally in my head i was like i know this is shit but i'm just gonna put it out to break the cycle of me not wanting to put shit out and it resonated with folks and again like it's not up to you what is shit and what is not yeah i've learned that way too many times to start second guessing whether or not something i make is shit like that's really not up to me i want to make a lot more mistakes and a lot more bad art because that's part of making good art yeah but it's tough I and mean, it's, it's a lot easier to say than you know it's easier said than done yeah wow i kept looking down to make sure that this is recording this is good, <laughs> this is good shit <laughs> so you're working a real job now mm-hmm. with a tremendous, you've taken on a tremendous amount of responsibility. Yeah. And you, you said you have two days out of the month that you jam out and record. Mm-hmm. How do you stay disciplined enough to always show up for those two days? Because I imagine you're working pretty long days here. Yeah. And when those two days come, come up, you're probably excited, but you're also tired. Right. And for, yeah. for people that, that still need to earn a paycheck. Yeah. That's the name of the game is you come home after eight, 10 hours and you're exhausted and you don't want to do it. You really want to do it, but you don't want to do it. Yeah, totally. How do you show up for it? I'm often very tired when it comes time to do it. So tomorrow is when I'm doing it. (laughs) (laughs) I'm I'm flying to L.A. tonight, Uh, tomorrow and Sunday. That's my one time a month. Yeah. How am I? Because I'm 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 also tired this morning, uh, this afternoon. And I know tomorrow, like especially after these late flights, you know, you get in and then we, you know, sometimes we'll start recording at nine o'clock. So we got to get up at seven and get to the studio and set up and everything. I think. Mm, so one really important thing, this this is important. All the people that are involved in that are people that I cherish. They're people that are just so deeply good and fun to be around and have such good attitudes and um, are so like open and warm and kind. And um, yeah, if you're it's 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 easier when when that's the vibe. Uh, I think if you're if you have a team that you're not like connected to it and you're trying to make art that's oh that's that's going to be hard but when the people are great um that makes it a little bit easier and then there's a there's a piece of it too that's just i think when you i don't want to say power through (laughs) because again easier said than done but like when you have a good attitude about it um it actually can just make it better just by virtue of having a good attitude about it um and i also think it just comes back down to being grateful it's like oh my god i get to make music right now like this is the time i look forward to every month this is so amazing um and having that gratitude carrying that gratitude through the day i think helps you kind of be more excited about it you know yeah yeah the days i remember to to take a second to have some gratitude they go better yeah 
without a doubt. Yeah, for sure. But all, all these things that help are the easiest things to forget, right? I know. Like I'll, I'll just be agitated and angry and can't figure out what's going on. And I'll, I'll do a little like inventory. I'll go, oh, wow, you've been eating garbage. You haven't exercised, and, <laughs> you know, and you're completely ungrateful. <laughs> like, 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 yeah. And they, they sneak up on you. I do. And it's also, fuck, like, I'm, I, I don't want to pretend for a second, like, I do this all 100% of the time. Sometimes I'm a sourpuss and I'm pissed and I'm, I'm, you know, that happens too, right? I mean, I don't think ever anybody can just be 100% all the time. And the other thing is, like, don't fucking beat yourself up over that. Like, we're all people doing our best. And sometimes you're a sourpuss because you're in a bad mood and you have emotions like every other fucking human on the planet. So, like, that's okay, You know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I have a few more questions. Great. Yeah. Um, Let me let me double check the time. but I think it's fine. Uh, I think we're. Yeah, we're great. Okay, perfect. Um, Oh, God, let me remember them. Okay, cool. There's kind of this vibe amongst artists. I don't know where we pick it up from, but there's this vibe that like we need to be saved from someone. Like someone's going to come save us. Yeah. We're going to be discovered. Yep. And that is toxic. Fuck that shit. Fuck that shit. Fuck that and, shit. And like if just the right person shares it, we're going to be huge. Fuck that. A, for everyone out there, a dear friend of mine has like 50,000 followers just got turned down for a publishing deal. Mm-hmm. Like that's not how it works. Mm-hmm. And then- for us, we've had huge stars share our, our stuff mm-hmm. and you just get like a little bump. Mm-hmm. I had a friend go, or not a friend, but I talked to someone who, who I'm close to, but uh, go on Oprah. I'm like, what happened? He's like, yeah. like a little bump. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, mm-hmm. so there's this thing that like, it's almost like a helplessness. Yeah. And I get caught up in, I, I'm so comfortable yeah. being a helpless victim. Mm-hmm. Where it's just like circumstances aren't right and like, ah, that person didn't share our shit, you know? Dude, it's so cool that you're, that you're like, that you talk about that and share that because that is such a, that's such a hard thing to like, because I, I do that too, right? Yeah. We all do that. And we all know that it's a bunch of fucking bullshit and we all start kind of like still there's this little glimmer there's this little piece of hope that like some shit's gonna go down like that and it's such an important thing to fight you know yeah i i think f- future generations are gonna have an easier time mm-hmm. because there is more self-publishing self-funding mm-hmm. but for those of us right now who need <laughs> this kind of program yeah like it's deeply ingrained in us mm-hmm. that someone's gonna come and save us yeah if we just keep, and so my question is, like, you said you did a pretty good job mm-hmm. handling both the art and the community building. We don't, I'm not doing such a great job, but we're working, we're getting better, certainly. <laughs> but what's your outlook, mindset, how, because the way you word things, for me, have a transformative effect. Hmm. How do you approach just allowing yourself to be heard, which means you speak, like, you have to speak. Jack yeah. has to. Mm-hmm. I have to be the one that says, hey, everybody, I need you to become a patron, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. or participate in some way. Right. Write a review. Mm-hmm. Don't just listen. Yeah. You can't just listen. It's okay. But try, <laughs> try, you know, because it's, I think you have to ask, right? Mm-hmm. There's the myth that if the art is good enough, it's just going to go on its own. Mm-hmm. But if you're not actively trying to get it to go, 
No lightning is going to start the fire. Ain't nobody going to work like you're going to work. I've worked now with a lot of great people and I don't want to, I don't want to shit on anybody. Um, but, uh, you know, so many times I've had exactly what you're talking about, where there has been that moment where it's like, oh my gosh, we're going to work with so-and-so like this person is going to join the team and like do our business for us. Or like, you, that doesn't, that's not a thing. <laughs> like that, that doesn't have, like n- nobody has answers here. There, there is not an answer and there's no play, but nobody knows how to do it. Like not even labels get an artist fans these days. Guess what? I know this is weird, but labels don't know how to get an artist fans. They don't know how to do it. I am not, that's not an exaggeration. They don't know. They can't. They're not able to take an artist and get that artist fans. The way labels do it is they sign 200 artists who all, by the way, already have a ton of traction. And then one of those artists gets big. And then everybody thinks, ugh, that label got that artist all these. No, the artist did it. The artist, like, had great music and great whatever and they did a bunch of things and there's also a bunch of luck involved but it's not like you can't attribute the rise to the label or the management company or the mm, whatever that magical bullet is in your head in my head that like we all want to think there's a light switch that just makes everything work that it's not it's one little push every day it's one little bet it's finishing the podcast and deciding to publish it even when you don't want to it's like you know like that video that i uploaded at the at the end of it's like this is shit wait a minute that's not up for me to decide i'm putting it out we'll let the community decide if it's shit um it's you know it's all those little moments where you make a decision to do it instead of to not do it that is so much more valuable than getting on the show or getting on the the podcast or getting the the tweet from Oprah. Like all of those little pushes add up over a long period of time to this flywheel that's spinning. Yeah, I I, I remember I point to these moments and, and instances where Pomplamoose got, you know, we did it. We got on NPR. We got on like, I think it was All Things Considered or All Songs Considered. And we were like sitting back like, this is like here we go let's like let's start like you know, spinning up servers on the website so we can take all the traffic and like you know and like and fucking it's like a little boop and then it's gone sorry i'm peeking your microphone probably but it's like such a it's and and i've learned that so many times um it's like pales in comparison to when we put out a video for pomplamoose like putting out one video is a much bigger bump than like getting on some massive radio show. Yeah. Yeah. Because the secret is like so few people do anything. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. like uh, we were like, I I was like turning down because people started asking to be on the program. And I, my answer was like, we're not big enough for you yet. We're, <laughs> we're not, we're not helpful enough for you yet. Yeah. Like we're going to get mega stars yeah. and we're going to get big enough and then we're going to help elevate you. But I can't take on that responsibility anymore. So we just started, you know, cool. Your story's interesting. Cool. You're, you're on the program. That's you awesome. Know? Yeah. Because there was this myth that like at some point, and I guess at some point it, it will mean more, but really when it comes to writing a review, saying hello via email, mm-hmm. becoming a patron, we're sub 1%. Yeah. Right? Like, yeah. And that doesn't mean that the other people aren't enjoying the program, but- 
that's just what we're working with. Totally. It's wild. So when it comes to having the courage, because it's embarrassing. It's embarrassing to ask for cash. Yeah. Like it is. Yeah. <laughs> you know? I know. It's, it's a weird, yeah. it's awkward. Yeah. It's very, because it's not like, I feel like with a lot of art, the the value is, is wrapped up differently mm-hmm. than a product. Because mm-hmm. a product is very much like, this water bottle is going to keep you hydrated and then you're, you're, you're going to have better sex, you know? (laughs) And like, this is totally a win for you. Right. (laughs) Like give us money. Yeah. Where art, especially if it's optional, Mm -hmm. you know, um, it's a different value proposition. Mm -hmm. And like, you look at this city's art scene right now, it's strange. Mm -hmm. Every gallery's bought a G clay printer because everyone's buying prints and nobody's buying originals. Mm -hmm. And that's okay too. That's like a very creative solution. But yeah, how do you how do you talk about it? How do you talk about it? Yeah. And I just had a huge, huge author yesterday. She, you know, um, and we were talking. She was a previous guest on the podcast, and she said, "I'm emailing people right now to write reviews for my book." You yeah. know, because like forty thousand people bought it. Yeah, but like. 40 people reviewed it and it right. looks lame. I know yeah. it's my ego right. that needs these reviews, but like it feels and looks lame. Yeah. And, but she's doing it mm-hmm. and you, you, you do it. And do you have any way that you go into a situation to make that more comfortable? Like if you're trying to give a pep talk to someone on Patreon mm-hmm. to be like, dude, just, just do it. Yeah. Like how do you frame it in a way that feels good? It's three things. Um, and it's not the actual messaging, but it, it, and you know, it's just these three little nudges that kind of help folks think about it. I think the first is, I think creators feel like it's illegitimate to be a creator and that's not their fault. It's society for the last thousands of years that have just created a aura of illegitimacy around artistry and the value that artistry has in the world. Creators have been oppressed. Uh, there's no like villain. It's just been a, it's just been a stigma. And I think it's because there have been poor systems to convert artistry into money to say it like bluntly. Um, that's being fixed now. Um, and I think the stigma because of that is going to go away, which is really exciting. But yeah, creators have this feeling of, of illegitimacy around it. But the truth is like, we think of being a professor as being totally legitimate like if you're a professor at a university oh my god that's like amazing guess what they're spending most of their time trying to get grants to do research and asking people for money asking institutions to give them millions of dollars so that they can work and they it's like a arduous complicated process and they're filling out forms and they employ people that they have like grant teams to like write applications like it's a huge process and they're asking for money okay politicians they're asking for money <laughs> all the free like the president of the fucking united states like the most legitimate person well not anymore but you know at the president it should be like uh that's that's the the if, if that ain't um legitimate what is they spend most of their careers asking people for money like most of their careers is like systems and processes and getting 
getting money in the door. Um, it turns out asking for money is just something that like we do a lot and, and big legitimate institutions, KQED and SFMOMA and, you know, WNYC and like these amazing media companies, you know, are run on consumer payments. Like that's not unusual and it's not bad. It's legitimate. And it's fucking awesome. And it's the way like consumer payments is much better, which sort of gets me into the second, the second thing. The second thing is it is so important for the web to move away from the attention economy and the conversion of eyeballs into dollars and into consumer payments, into a world where people pay for the, a thing that they value or a person that they value. The, the weirdness of the attention economy and putting ads in between things and all of the privacy implications of that and the content implications, it turns out it's a big, sucky system. <laughs> and we've got to fix that. And it's up to all of us to fix it. And people, individuals who listen to the things that they love can realize that, you know what, this isn't free to make. This isn't like that that person isn't free just because music is free now you can listen to any song you want on youtube doesn't mean that it's free to make those songs and i think it's like up to the consumer it's a responsibility of the consumer to start financing the art that they love so that we all benefit from it so there's like a there's like a, a just a deep goodness about paying for the things that you value that i think um makes the message a little bit um more important yeah um i mentioned there were three things and i forgot the third but those are two of them that's great <laughs> oh the the last thing is i remember it creators are i found they're very like humble people like you strike me as a very humble person like sometimes you, i'm both okay <laughs> I'm, I'm not good or bad or humble or narcissistic i'm, I'm all of, all the things yeah aren't we all a lot of time creators are unwilling to admit how much impact they have on people's lives we talk to creators all the time who, and it's like you said, like they don't want to create the $50 tier because they're like, who, like, I don't deserve, like, who's going to pay me $50 for that? And they don't realize that like, oh my God, people like are moved to tears by my work. But like, there's this little imposter syndrome voice in their heads. That's like, oh, they're just being polite or like, they're just trying to like be nice to me or something. And I'm not really that good. You know, my art isn't really that important or meaningful to people, but it is. And it affects people's lives and changes them and makes them better and gives them joy and gives them courage and all the things that they need to be people in the world. And it's a hard thing for creators to accept that. It really is. And I know that from personal experience. Like, it's a hard thing for me to like, because it feels like egotistical or something to do that, you know, but it's just true. It's just true. And people want to value that. They want to pay you for that. It's less about asking for it and more about letting, giving people a place to do that, letting them do it because they're dying to. Um, so many of them are dying to like, they just want you to keep doing what you're doing. They just want you to be successful. And I've found that that if an artist can really come to terms with that and accept that gift, you know, accept that they are important to people um that they have value in the world um then it's easier to think about that value as translating to dollars yeah yeah i keep a folder gmail really every compliment 
anyone has ever DM'd me on Instagram or Facebook, I snapshot it or email. That's so good. And I keep it in a folder because on the days where I can't convince myself I'm doing something meaningful, maybe one of them can, you know. I have the same thing. I have a, a hashtag love doc yeah. in, in Google Docs. And it's just the best comments, you know, the best like responses because it's so important. And it's changed the way I consume too. You know, I write reviews for podcasts now mm-hmm. that I like. That's amazing. And this program doesn't have a sponsor. So we pick an artist to sponsor every episode. Wow. You know? Yeah. That's it. And... I, it's made me realize how it's easy to blend into the crowd and feel like that your voice doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. But what you don't realize until you start creating is that one person's voice can save a project. Yeah. Can literally save a project. That's so true. You know, and really come to you on the days when you need it. And it's, I'm getting choked up just thinking, yeah. you know, because it's, it's people start every email the same way. I'm sure you get a ton of this, but. Like what they're about to say is not completely unique and wonderful. Yep. But I've never gotten two messages that felt the same. Yeah. Wow. You know, they're always someone else's interpretation of what they got or it's just you start to realize how important a comment is on an Instagram post. (laughs) Yeah. When you're the one posting and really hoping that people engage with it. I think that's the cool thing about getting more people to create is it starts to, it gets you to see that what's behind the curtain, yeah, which is less glamorous than just the nice curated feed. Right. You know? <laughs> yeah. Which is like blood, sweat and tears and self-doubt and yeah, what an amazing journey to get to be on. I'm, I'm feeling grateful right now. Yeah. Just talking to you. I'm, it's, I've, it's come over me. Totally. To get to, to doubt myself at times and to get to receive love from other people. Yeah. It's a wonderful thing. I I um I met a a jazz piano player years ago. I actually took lessons from him. And he used to keep the good and the bad reviews. And he would put them on a wall where he practiced. And it was pre-YouTube comments. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> God knows there's plenty of YouTube comments. I actually, I don't keep the bad comments anymore. Um, no, don't do that. Uh, if there's a glimmer of truth, I'll try to extract it and then take away the emotion out of it and not worry about, you know, whatever, whatever that is. But um, not that I don't want constructive feedback, but this piano player would keep the good reviews and the bad reviews again, pre pre days of horrible internet trolling comments. Um, because for him, it was that gratitude and ambition balance. It was like, well, I'm going to have days where I'm feeling like crap and I need to read one of those good reviews to remind myself of why I'm important. Um, and I'm going to have days where I'm feeling like I can do anything and I'm on top of the world and I can, I'm going to perfect this thing and blah, blah, blah. And then I'll read one of the bad reviews and I'll realize that I still have a long way to go. Um, and I thought that was like a really healthy attitude and a very natural thing. I, um, I don't think I do it these days. Um, just because there's plenty of bad shit out there. (laughs) I I get that all day long, just people who hate me for one reason or another. So I I don't have a shortage of, of that side anymore. So I don't need to do that. But, but I do think it is, it is good to have that 
again, bringing it back to that gratitude and ambition, that that balance in your life of moments where you need a little bit of help and the community can help you through it. And that's a really good thing. Yeah. Real quick before I ask the final question. In the age of the internet, yeah, we're so quick to be motivated by not liking something, mm-hmm. right? Like when, when is the, I don't want to mention this company. I don't love them. But anyway, when was the last time uh, you wanted to write a Yelp review? When you hated someplace, <laughs> when the guy gave you really bad service yeah. and you wanted everyone to know yeah. how bad the service was. I know. But you, you rarely just go, oh, you know that, that cafe I've been going to for three years? I should say something nice about that. Totally. You know, like, totally. Because that's what people look at when they're looking for a restaurant. You yeah. Know? So, okay. Here's the, the final question. You're a San Francisco native, so I'm not too worried about capturing everything here. I can come back at some point. If I were to hand you a telephone and on the other end of the telephone was a creator who was fucking lost, didn't know why he or she was making and what they're doing and maybe they should have finished law school, what would you say? On You have like a minute on mm-hmm. the phone. Mm-hmm. They can just pick up and hear your message that you're about yeah. to say. What would it be? It's one thing. And it's it's whether you're a creator or whether you're a person or whether you're building a company or whether you're in a a job that you're not figuring out yet it's just one th- it's don't quit don't quit because because uh what a lot of people don't realize i think is that most of the time it feels like that most of the, even when you're on an awesome path, it feels like you're lost in the fucking desert. It really does. And it's felt like that for me for a long time. I remember making the pedals video, which essentially launched Patreon. And it's a great video. <laughs> okay, yeah. I've seen it. Yeah. I mean, I, I had an invest the behind the scenes video of that journey. I had an investor literally tell me, Jack, we invested in Patreon because of that video. I wrote a blog post from that time period. You can read it. The title of the blog post is I'm fucking terrified and I sound like I have no idea what the fuck I'm doing because I didn't. I was totally lost. I was spending too much money. I maxed out two credit cards to make that video. I drained my savings account. I was like gluing washers onto this piece of styrofoam to make that set. And I, meanwhile, my savings account is draining and I was, I was going, what the fuck am I doing? This is, I'm losing my mind. Um, it was a, it was such a tough time, but the thing is, if you give up, a lot of people give up right before, what if they knew in only two years, just keep going two years, you're going to, it's, there's going to be a little thing that clicks and it's going to work and it's going to resonate. And the thing is, you have no idea how long that is. It might be three months. It might be one month. It might be two years. I did a, a conversation with one of our engineers here who was like exactly that. He was like, Jack, I'm lost. Like I'm uploading YouTube videos and they're getting eight views and I have 50 subscribers. I'm like, and six months later, he has 250,000 subscribers and he's getting hundreds of thousands of views on his videos. Like he was about to give up. And, and what he didn't realize is that he was on the path. He was doing it already. He had he was he already was doing all the right things, experimenting, putting stuff out, having fun, doing what he's passionate about, taking bets, being alive, trying things. That's what it always feels like. 
It always feels like that. And it never actually, it never gets better. It always, even when you're crushing it. So like, get used to that feeling because it never feels like you're up and to the right. That would be my, that would be what I'd say to the creator. Keep going. Don't quit. Always feels like that. It doesn't get better. Thank you for doing this. Yeah. And for creating Patreon. Yeah. I have uh, two tattoos on my arm. And one is, we never give up facing me, which the tattoo artist was like, why? I'm like, because for me. And the second one is rule 62, which is don't take yourself too seriously. So these are my two little factors. I love that. Never give up. Don't take yourself too seriously. That's, that sounds right on. That's a wrap for today's episode. I highly recommend you go over to YouTube and watch the Pedals video by Jack Conte. It will blow your mind. And while you're here, since you made it this far, I do want to shout out another podcast called The Love Drive. And the host of that is somebody who I talk to often. We share notes. He's somebody who's really helped me along this journey. And on top of it, he makes really great content about having healthy and fun sex and all kinds of stuff. The Love Drive. Go check it out. That's it for today's episode. This was the How to Human podcast. I am Sam Lamont. You can check us out at hellohumans.co. This episode is produced by myself and Meg Schmidt, our executive producer. Have a good one, guys. 